Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to another episode of Bloom the Podcast. Thank you all so much for tuning in to another episode. We got a fun one for you today. If you guys are new, I am your host, Donovan, and I'm here with the one and only co-host, Ashley. Ashley. (laughs) There we go. We're only co-host uh, Ashley. Yes. So <laughs> we are so happy that you guys are tuning in. Like I said before, if you guys are OG Bloom fans and have been listening to us from the beginning, then you guys do recognize this room. You recognize the couch, the setup. This is our first original setup for Bloom the podcast in video. So hope you got. Hope you guys all enjoy us being back in this little room. It's only temporary. We're just here visiting the old Bloom studio. We'll be back in our old setup soon for the next couple episodes, but uh, it'll be fun to record here for today. Um, hope you guys have been keeping up with our older episodes or previous episodes, I should say. Um, last week or last episode, I should say, we had uh, an old friend of ours come on and talk about processing trauma and growing through it and dealing with all those emotions. And it was a really fun Um, I think impactful episode and if you guys haven't checked it out we will be leaving the link for that in the description below so you guys can go ahead and do that Um, but jumping right into today's episode we have a fun one if you guys have been following us on Instagram then you guys will know we posted a poll uh, earlier in the week um, and to see what you guys thought about courting versus dating and it was very interesting um (laughs) We basically had a 50-50 split. Well, it was more like 52-48 split between dating and courtship in the favor of dating. We had a couple more people that were for dating than for courtship, but it was pretty even, all things considered. Um, So we appreciate you guys replying to us and taking part in the poll. It was very uh, cool to interact with you guys and talk through your guys' thoughts on it. We'll go through some of those comments a little bit later uh, once we've kind of delved into the nitty-gritty of everything. But to get this conversation rolling, I'm going to pass it to you. In the general broad terms, how would you define dating and how would you define courtship? Um, Well, I define courtship as heavy parental involvement. Very strict. Um, They kind of make the rules, set the pace, do it all, really. Um, And the couple's kind of just along for the ride Mm -hmm. while, you know... um, the parents decide what's best for the couple and then dating um there's two kinds of dating worldly dating and christian dating and as far as christian dating goes um it's definitely intentional and um it's basically the couple sets the pace for themselves um they kind of decide what they're going to do together they they set boundaries and stuff dating doesn't mean you don't have boundaries and things so they they make those boundaries for themselves though um and yeah basically just going at their own pace and making the rules for their own relationship very good yeah i feel the same way um i think courtship does have a lot of interesting ins and outs i think there are a lot of um interesting presuppositions on how the couple is supposed to be how they're supposed to interact with one another how so the how they're supposed to interact with family and friends um and we'll kind of touch on that in a little bit and i think it is important to make the distinction between worldly dating and christian dating um i think a lot of people 
that are more for courtship view worldly dating and Christian dating as one and the same. Right. Where it's kind of the the same thought process when it comes to evaluating individuals, what you do with the individual, and kind of that lack there of purity mm-hmm. between the two. Yeah. Um, but before we jump in too far, I do want to preface this by saying this episode is not meant to uh, criticize or to like go to tell people how they need to do relationships. I think mm-hmm. is the best way to say it. Obviously, we are we all have our own conscience and we all are operating under scripture and we do what we feel is most biblical for our relationships. So we just want to open up the conversation and point out some things that we've experienced, things that we've been through and just what we see on the horizon and on the dating and courting front as a whole. Um, So, yeah, jumping right into it, I kind of want to address the courtship side first. Okay. Um, So we'll kind of go that route. Um, for courtship, when we're talking about parental involvement, how have you seen that flushed out and what do you think are the pros and cons of the way that that is flushed out? Um, (laughs) as far as parental involvement goes, I feel like the way I've seen it is it's a big hindrance uh, as far as the cons, it's a big hindrance to honestly find someone if that makes sense because it's it gets to a point where it's too much there's too much involvement and that puts stress and tension on the relationship um because it's hard enough dating one person and well not date courting one person and communicating with them without literally your entire family involved or whoever is involved you know um like i can only imagine how hard it would be to have people whispering in your ear or making rules for you that you don't necessarily think are best for the relationship. Um, So I think that's a con. I think um, a lot of times it can be a turnoff for the guy to pursue someone who um, is letting their parents run the relationship. I think that some a lot of men want someone who you know um, Christian men want someone who is just ready to get married and ready to like go at the pace and then you know get married like right after that whereas I think courting is way more of a process it's like okay so what do your parents think you know kind of like easing in slowly and for an older man especially I could see that being an issue someone who's like I want to get married like I don't want to court for however long or till I get your parents approval yeah um but as far as pros go ah it's hard because what I'm gonna say for a pro could also be for a con yeah um because I was gonna say it is a lot harder to be impure when you're constantly (laughs) being watched right yes but then at the same time i feel like when there's so many rules and you just feel like you're being like held down that's when people get the most rebellious and start you know beating around the bush and kind of like lying to get their way and i think a lot of kids that i know that have grown up with the mindset of you know parents involvement and kids you know I don't know, not really having much choice of anything. They end up really rebellious and very much like, as soon as I get an inch of freedom, I'm gone and I'm running with that. (laughs) Yeah, no, that's true. I think, and just to kind of preface some of the things that you're saying as far as like the rules on purity, I think some of the common ones that we've heard and that we've seen and experienced are stuff such as um, no holding hands, no kissing, no being... uh, basically no being alone apart Ever. from a chaperone <laughs> yeah you know if you're gonna go out either the parents have to be there or a, a sibling. sibling or a friend or something has to be present right. um 
There's not a lot of um, affection. It's very... It's, it's very, like a friend. Yeah, basically. <laughs> it's very platonic until you hit that certain point where everything is basically hit with the stamp of approval by the parents. Right. Now... There are some good things, and again, it can be a pro and a con in that sense. There are some good things about it because it does hinder you from uh, falling into some of those things that may be a little bit easier to fall into without those things. But I think one thing to understand, I think this is really important to drive home, and not that this is an excuse, but if two individuals want to do something, whether you're courting or whether you're dating... It's going to happen. Yes. <laughs> so there is no amount of fail safes that you can put in to stop two sinners from doing something sinful. It's going to be the choice of the two individuals to abide by those rules and abide by those boundaries to keep themselves pure throughout the relationship. Right. Um, all that to say, I think going back to the pros and cons of parental involvement, I think there are more um, concerns than there are things that are good. Right. And I think we have to establish the presuppositions that we're coming from. So if you're in a Christian family, chances are you have Christian parents and you have Christian kids, right? Right. If your Christian parents are raising Christian kids, there is no reason why the parents need to govern who your kid dates. If your kid is a non-believer, then you really don't have any say in the matter and they're not going to care what you think anyway mm-hmm. when it comes to who your partner is. So right. I think from the first standpoint, if your kid is a believer... You want to aid and assist and give your input as a parent who cares about your kid, but not in a way that makes it where your kid isn't making the decision. Otherwise, you're just being their Holy Spirit for them. Which is a big thing that I've seen (laughs) in some of the stuff. And now there's a lot of books and we'll kind of touch on these. And I'm sure most of you guys have heard of them, but there are a lot of books and articles and messages that have been taught by pastors where that kind of is the message of the parents are assuming this responsibility over the kids to say, I'm not going to let my child fall into this trap or let them fall into this relationship or get (sighs) tricked into doing this or tempted by that. And it's a nice sentiment on one hand, but it's out of your control and it's way too involved. Right. And most of the time that comes from things that the parents did wrong growing yeah. up. And it's like, okay, yeah. well you had the choice to do that and you learned from it. So like, wouldn't you <laughs> want your kid to do the same to learn from their mistakes? I think right. people always think of that as a negative. Any mistake is a negative, but that's not right. the case. Like God allows those things so we can learn and grow from them and be better in the future. If we never messed up, then like we'd just be stagnant where we are. Like I'm fine. Everything's fine. <laughs> yeah. If you've never experienced any kind of shortcomings then there's going right. to be very few ways you can see to improve your life like it's going to be very very tunnel vision and i think it's kind of almost a false sense of security for the people in that sense where they feel like well if my parents are saying it's fine that it must be okay right it's like that's not true either because you know as lovely as i'm sure all of your parents are (laughs) they're still flawed human beings who are going to have sinful nature and are going to have um flawed thinking and there's going to be those gaps there where maybe everything they say isn't completely and 100 percent lining up with scripture just like right. the rest of us right so we can't just assume that because we're checking off these um ideas and these rules and these regulations um from the parents that it's going to be uh just all jolly right i actually thought of another con that i think is actually really important that has to be mentioned yeah. is you can't 
not saying you cannot, but it, it is more of a risk because I feel like you can't really get to know someone when they're never in private. And I'm sorry, man, because I have seen some people and they really do put on a show when your parents are around or they'll put on a show when people are around and oh, like they're so sweet. And then in private, they they might not even treat you well. <laughs> they might treat yeah. you like trash, you know? And so I think... That's really risky. And like, it's so hard to be open and vulnerable when you're talking and your little sister's in the backseat or, oh, you know, like. I, mean, I think about it from the opposite, opposite way as well. Cause think about it even from dating. It's hard enough to gauge what the person is really thinking and really valuing and really right. doing when you're dating and you are able to go out one on one. Right. And there's still such a drastic difference when you marry that person on your accessibility on that person and like what you find out about that person. So I, yeah. imagine if you've never even been alone in the dating phase. Cause I've seen some Oscar <laughs> performances y'all in the dating game where people are putting up like Brad Pitt performances out here <laughs> in the dating phase when they're yeah. able to go out one-on-one. So right. it's going to be that, but magnified by 10 when the girl's dad is in the room in every single conversation that you ever have with her. Right. Like, I mean, are you going to have your first fight in front of her parents? Well, that's the thing that happens as well. I was actually talking to a friend of mine who was saying that was something that was happening. Like mm-hmm. the parents were involved in kind of like coaching them and guiding them through every disagreement and through every oh, like little fight that they had. No. And it's like, we that's not how you coach conflict resolution. Because in your marriage, they ain't going to be there. That's not going to be there. Well, I mean, you know, they right? might be. <laughs> they really enjoy your guys' relationship. Which is another thing which... And this is kind of just like the spiral here, right? Like the courtship is very heavy into you're marrying into the family. Like Mm. it's not like the man leaves and cleaves like you see in scripture and starts his own family with his wife. It's very much of these two families come together. It's the it takes a village mindset. Yes, the two families (laughs) come together. They love each other. The parents are discipling the kids and vice like the husband is seeking discipleship from uh, his wife's father and like it's just this sing kumbaya in the sunset of Mm. like family union and as nice and as cool as that sounds that's just not practical that's not realistic so it's a very false expectation on what the family dynamic is supposed to look like when you presuppose all these things onto the individual well it has to come naturally that relationship with the family and i feel like it's really unnatural to be forced into it (laughs) like you're gonna love us (laughs) because we're guiding you right and like i feel like i don't know i just yeah i (laughs) i just feel like that would create resentment towards the family when they're controlling your life like it's way easier to like someone who's not controlling you than to like someone who is so for the fam the person entering the family i feel like their view is like gosh like you're always in my business you're always telling me this you're always doing this and i feel like that creates resentment towards the parents or whoever's involved there's lots of resentment but i think that also comes from why the parents are involved in the first place right i'm sure all of you who've been in the church for a while are familiar with the uh book um what he must be to marry my daughter by vody bacham now i've never read the book but i did listen to uh vody bacham talk about his book and he was kind of going through um a lot of the principles and a lot of the thought process and the biblical things um about the book and why he wrote it that way and the, I think the big resentment comes from the evaluation that these parents are doing on their daughter's said future husband. 
right. which can get very legalistic and can get very superficial and non-biblical. Even from the approach of the title of the book, What He Must Be to Marry My Daughter. That is already passing the line of what's required in scripture. Yeah. <laughs> because a Christian man is what he must be to marry your daughter. A, a Christian man. Right. So there's a lot of these other things that we're adding into the umbrella. Now, obviously, there are requirements for husbands and wives that we see in Scripture. Like, you know, he has to be able to provide for his wife. And you want to see him being a spiritual leader and those things. Right. But those come with the territory of being a Christian man. So <laughs> right. when we start breaking it out and we see the parents, like, heavily diving into all these qualifications that the man That they made have, up. <laughs> that they make up that they feel like they need to see in this man before they can give him the approval to date or marry the daughter i feel like you're trespassing into some very legalistic grounds of relationships well yeah i mean the parents are basically creating their ideal person yeah and that might be <laughs> yeah build a boyfriend and that might be someone that the daughter doesn't necessarily like yeah and so it's it it's I can only imagine how many problems there are in marriages like that where it's like, well, my parents basically made this man and they wanted me to have and like I have no connection to it because it wasn't like what I was like attracted to as far as what qualities I wanted in a man type right. thing. Yes, yeah. that's very true. And I think that goes to another thing that we haven't really touched on yet is the somewhat tricky dynamic between the fathers and their daughters. <laughs> And this is one thing that has been a weird thing for me to wrap my head around just on concept level. But there's this very weird dynamic where in the courtship scene, the daughter is seen to be as under the father, which is not a bad thing in and of itself. Right. But it's the role that the, the father plays with the daughter where it starts to kind of step out of bounds, in my opinion. Um, there's a lot of like the dad controls her. He makes all the decisions for her. She's not like her own person. She doesn't have any kind of independent will. Everything is under what the father deems to be right for her. Mm -hmm. There's a quote from, uh, I think his name is Bill Gotham or yeah, Gotham. Um, he's one of the, uh, vision forum people. I don't know if you guys are familiar with the vision forum courtship scene, really interesting stuff going on over there, but he basically says that. The daughters are not supposed to pursue independence. They are supposed to submit under to the father and the father has the right to say yes or no in any relationship standpoint or, you know, any relationship situation. So he either puts the stamp of approval of yes or he says, no, you're not marrying that person. He says daughters are not supposed to pursue and go out and say, I can marry whoever I want. It's the father's opportunity and the father's doing. Mm -hmm. So that right there to me is a major red flag in the way that we're allowing children and women, especially in the courtship scene, to make decisions about their future life. Like the mm -hmm. father doesn't have to live with the person that she marries. You do as the daughter. So there has to be a lot more freedom and decision making on the daughter's end to say, OK, yes, I do see qualities. I want to marry this man. Let me go for this. Right. I feel like that kind of like mindset almost comes from like the whole like the women are the weaker vessel but it's yeah. like you are really like <laughs> incapable of living without me like i yeah. think that's like literally where that comes from yeah and i think the pull from a lot of old testament uh stories and narratives to kind of pull this um mindset into play like right. you see even stuff like the really hilarious example of laban and leah and rachel in genesis where the father makes the uh he makes uh 
Jacob work for uh, seven years before he can marry Rachel. And like this whole deal of like you see a very influential role of the dad like giving away the daughter and there's a lot of rules regulations and the the dad has to be the one to say yes you can marry her right so i think that's where that comes from but if we're pulling from old testament narrative only we're gonna end up doing a lot of interesting things y'all if your dad doesn't have a beard to the floor i ain't respecting him anyway (laughs) i'm gonna bring him a sheep (laughs) yeah Yeah, so can i have your daughter for a sheep (laughs) it seems like a fair trade to me right so, yeah, there's a lot of interesting stuff going on there when it comes to parent involvement that can get really interesting. Yeah. I think there's such an uh, a need for individuals when they're entering into a marriage relationship to evaluate on their own because mm-hmm. you have to be the one making that decision, especially for something such as such as marriage, which it, apart from salvation is basically going to be one of the biggest decisions, if not the biggest that you ever make in your life. Right. You're committing your life to another individual to become one flesh with another individual. And if I'm a daughter of someone in a hypothetical alternate universe, I don't want that decision to be made by my dad. Not that I wouldn't right. love and care for my dad, but that's still a decision that I want to make. Well, I think... Who would want that responsibility of, like, picking someone for their kid for the rest of their life? Like, what happens when that guy who was putting on a show for you that entire time turns out to be some abusive dude? Is that on the parents then? Like, does she get to be like, this is your fault? Y'all pick this guy? (laughs) Like, how does that work? I don't want to be in charge of that, you know? I don't want that responsibility. Well, that brings me to something else that I was going to talk about as well. And it is kind of that insurance mindset. And I think a lot of times what we see is these family... It's the expectation. I think this is one of the Mm. other books that you guys probably read, I Kiss Dating Goodbye, set Mm. a lot of false expectations for what people are going to experience in their relationships and in their marriage when it comes to following these rules. Mm. This book kind of portrayed the message as of to say, if you follow these guidelines and you do these things, your marriage is going to work out splendid. So you have people pursuing all of these things, thinking that if I follow and check off all these boxes, my marriage is going to be rock solid, no issues. I'm good to go, which, first of all, doesn't exist, guys, just so we can get that out of the way. There is no marriage on the face of this planet that does not have issues. When you have two sinners living together, you're going to have issues regardless of what you did prior to marriage. There's always going to be issues. So that's a very terrible expectation to have just on the onset. Secondarily, I think it does set up a very um, selfish and prideful way of looking at relationships to think that I'm going to do all these things to remain pure and do all these things. Are you doing it to honor the to honor the Lord or to guarantee yourself a good relationship because right. you think you're following all these rules and you're kind of holier than thou by right. following this process? And you're testing God. You're like, hey, God, by the way, I'm doing all the right steps. So good luck, like, ruining my marriage. Like, what? Yeah. So it's it's a very dangerous mindset that I think can come with some of the more extreme courtship views. Right. Now, again, I think we're talking on very polar extremes of the right. two. There are lots of middle grounds. And I've talked to people that have done courting and it's totally fine. I right? think a lot of people, though, honestly confuse dating with courting, though, as well. Like, they're basically dating and they're like, oh, yeah, like, like, kind of like what you were saying. I'm sure you'll bring it up later about yeah. people being like, well, we don't stay home alone, blah, blah, blah. Mm-hmm. Like, that's not courting though like that's just a boundary (laughs) so i think a lot of people will also be like like courting's not that extreme i'm like yeah because you're dating (laughs) i I mean that's just some scenario but i'm sure there are less lesser extremes for sure now kind of switching gears 
here, kind of flipping more to the dating side. Right. I feel like we have talked about dating quite a bit on this show. And right. we've talked about plenty of the idiotic things <laughs> <laughs> that happen within the dating community. And there's plenty right. of them. There's too much to go around. But I think one of the main things, and I'll actually read this comment from one of our amazing listeners who kind of, I think, quantifies exactly why Christians think the way that they do about dating. Um, they said dating um, and marriage are, or let me see, sorry, I'm misreading this comment already. Excuse me. <laughs> um, he says that courting is the way that he views dating or relationships now as marriage is the only purpose of engaging in that relationship. So they view dating as a temporary thing of kind of just like hanging out with people and it's fun right. and it's cool versus courting being the I'm going to marry you. I have the intention to marry you where there's only one goal in mind. Right. We had another listener who also commented a very similar thing here. They said that when they think of courtship, they typically think of you're married within a year. Which <laughs> <laughs> what? that that is not a wrong thing. But right. there's also... I've, I've seen courting relationships where it doesn't go that way. They date for a lot longer or court for a lot longer than that. Right. So it really just depends on what you're looking at. But I think they think of courtship as like, I meet you, I talk to your dad, we get married in like four weeks later. And dating is like, I meet you, I, I string you along for a while, we kind of mess around, we be idiots with each other. And then if I like you four years later, then we pop the question and then we have, you know, get married. Right. <laughs> yes i think what i want to know <laughs> is when it comes to courting who do the parents pick the person like initially are they like hey by the way you're meeting this person almost like almost like arranged marriage or is it like they go out and they're like i like this person and they go out to coffee and then the parents get involved once they realize they like each other like that's what i want to know if y'all know from what <laughs> i've seen there's like the extreme which is the dad is the only one who picks that can go out and pick someone for you okay then you have some of the less extreme where it's like you can pick who you want and bring him to me and, and then, then i'll decide I'll interview him and he'll do preach a sermon for me and you know do all these he'll jump through all these hoops to see if he is the one for you so i think on the very tail end you do have that extreme where it's like the parents go for right. like selective participation this is who you marry right <laughs> and then you have the lesser end which is still pretty extreme of having the dad like pretty much do a background check on your entire being and you know right i could see why they think that courting is more intentional because of the fact that there's probably not like, I'm going to go out to coffee with this person and see how I feel about them. It's right. more like, okay, instantly you see them and you're like, all right, like now we're going to talk marriage right now. And we're going to find out right now, yeah. which that can be intentional. That doesn't make it the right way, though. Something can move fast. That doesn't mean that it's being done correctly. <laughs> yes. And dating can go just as quickly. I mean, right. I feel like the way that we view dating is similar to courtship in the way that it's intentional there's one goal in mind right but there's more flexibility on how that goal is achieved like for me you can ask someone out to coffee 
you don't have to have the intention on marrying them right there on the spot. Right. But you want to find out if this someone if this is someone who has similar goals, similar vision, similar beliefs as you, similar doctrine. All right. of these things that line up to say like, okay, I could see myself marrying this person. Right. And you're asking intentional questions, trying to really get at their heart to see what it is that they're trying to achieve as well. Because there are plenty of Christians that are in the dating realm that don't really prioritize marriage. And that's a real yeah. thing. Um, so when I hear people that are more for courtship talking about dating, I can't fault them for that. There's yeah. plenty of people that I've even talked to that are like, nah, I'm not really, that's not a priority for me right now. And you're like, okay, then we're done. And I think that's where the dating gets intentional, right? Because right. you can go on a date with someone and you're like, okay, so what are your intentions for relationships? And they say, oh, you know, I'm not really looking for marriage. You know, right then and there, that's not going to work. And you stop going right. to coffee. You stop going out with that person. And you start looking for someone else who's going to fit more of that intentional right uh, drive and i think that's honestly kind of some of the danger in courting is the fact that i feel like a lot of people just get with the first person that's like yeah i want to get married now they're like okay because the parents are like well here he is like he's the perfect guy for you he's godly because he wants to get married like asa you know like there's not like hey i kind of like this person's a great person but i just like don't connect with them or have that chemistry with them even oh my gosh that is important and i'm sure a lot of that is lacking in people who are courting people um but as far as dating yeah sometimes it takes a second to realize that you just are not going to work with that person and i feel like it's it's more of like like you know a almost like a divorce when you're courting someone and it's over it's like oh, yeah. you know like we were headed for marriage tomorrow and you know you're not you know we it's already <laughs> sent out the invitations what are you doing? exactly and you've been dating you've been courting for like a week and yeah. you know i just feel like the pressure there makes marriage seem distasteful for a lot of people because they're like dude i don't want to marry the first person i see who i've known for a day yeah i think one <laughs> of the things for me is it seems a lot more and I don't know if I'm going to say that it seems a lot more obligation based than it does right. uh, desire based. Right. Like when I think of dating and marriage from my perspective, I think of like, I meet this individual. I love this individual. I want to be with this individual because of the things that I've evaluated. And you convers- chose the I, individual. I'm choosing. <laughs> exactly. With courtship, it can almost feel the reverse where it's like, I want to be married but who it's with is not really as important. And right. as long as there's these boxes checked, all systems go. Or it's like my mom picked you and I guess I could learn to love you. Like it's not like the initial like, yeah, I love this person and I'm dating yeah. them now. You know, like it's very different. It's very <laughs> different. Yeah. It, and I've never been in a courtship relationship so there is a lot of unknown still for me in that respect. Mm. But I know just from the people that I've talked to and minimal exposure that I've had just from doing research and stuff, it seems to be just a lot more difficult. Because I think on the parallel or opposite end of what you said, where it kind of feels like it's the first person they meet and they get married. Right. I think there can also be a long waiting period for a lot of these people to get married because there are so many requirements and because the parents are so picky i feel like you end up with a lot of older single people because the parents are judging so harshly on things that don't matter 
Right. And I can kind of speak from a little experience. I wouldn't say I courted anyone, but it was in that sense because I was younger that there was a lot of parental involvement, which is like totally great because I was very young. (laughs) But just from that angle, like I can speak from experience that it is really easy for someone to act a certain way in front of your parents because that's exactly what that was like. Golden boy in front of my parents (laughs) and not so nice when when we're not with my parents so it's definitely like I can speak from experience to that that how the relationship is going in front of the parents and stuff is very different from how it will be when you're married and in private (laughs) yeah so that's that's very interesting and I'm kind of gonna flip gears here (laughs) for a second one thing that I have noticed a ton is when it comes to roles by men and women And what's assumed of one another in dating versus courtship. And there's negatives for both. So for dating, I think one of the biggest negatives for dating is that everything is um, quote unquote equal in a sense on how the people are supposed to interact with one another. So you don't have a lot of men pursuing leading in dating because I think everything is so casual. And a lot of times men don't feel the need to pursue because they're like, I can wait it's fine. Especially these days with oh, yeah. feminism, the women are like, let's go. 100%. So you have a lot of women that are taking initiative. Not that right. there's necessarily anything wrong with women, you know, making a first move right. or doing something like that. But there almost gets to this point where the man is kind of just like floating by and just like, oh, I like this girl. And she seems to be interested in me. Right. So like, let's see where it goes. But there's no real drive when it comes to the people falling into their roles of like, let me lead this woman in this relationship and the woman falling under the man and like kind of almost role-playing that marriage thing right. in the dating realm. Like, you don't really see a ton of that when it comes to oh, dating. Oh, no. But then on the flip side, in the courting sense, it's almost so extreme where I think a lot of times they don't even focus on what women are supposed to do at all because <laughs> everything is based on what the guy does. So, like, is the guy's mom vetting his <laughs> wife or his future wife? usually not it's usually just the the lady's dad interviewing and vetting and seeing what the man is all about so basically the woman is exempt of all expectation at this point and that can be very very dangerous because it's like well they just become end up being a doormat and then they're not really being a helpmate because they're not helping their husband in confronting sin and you know having a valued opinion they're just like i'm here to exist and to serve whoever my dad picks out so there's some really interesting extremes when it comes to gender role on both sides yeah i feel like we should do a podcast on what being a helpmate is because (laughs) oh my gosh the amount of women that i have met now that are kind of in this like courting mindset thing man it's like they don't even know what the word helpmate means because they don't think they're really even allowed to talk to their husband. Like they yeah. they don't even know how to talk to their it's husband. It's dangerously demeaning to women in yeah. the courtship scene. I'm like, they're like, oh, like my husband did this and you know, like it's sinful. And I'm like, okay, like have you brought that to his attention? No, you can't bring that to him. Like they literally do not know <laughs> what yeah. being a helpmate actually and I think means. Because they're trying to simulate the picture of what marriage is supposed to represent in the Bible with forgetting the part that we're both sinful beings. So like in the Bible you see the you see Christ as the man in the relationship, quote unquote the groom, right? right. And the church is the bride. Right. And the church falls under Christ. 
Right. And there's that beautiful picture there. But news check, guys. No man on earth is God. Right. (laughs) We have to look. We have to really evaluate the pedestal that we're putting men on in that in that area because they need to be checked. They need to be convicted of sin they need to have these things brought to their attention because they're a sinful man and that's the purpose of having the wife there is to come alongside him and say hey i see this in you or to encourage him even in the same respect like to say he's doing great and in the same way say where he can be better exactly and the man is supposed to be doing that for the woman as well leading her to closer to christ and also bringing things that she may be doing wrong to her attention all in love and from the bible so Mm -hmm. we have to be very very conscious of the things that we choose to neglect and the the things that we choose to emphasize when it comes to these relationships well because also they just forget that we're brothers and sisters in christ like he's not just your husband like Mm -hmm. and you know we're called to confront each other so that we can continue to grow but i think the verse that is always used for why these women can't say this or that to their husband or why it has to be a certain way is Sarah called Abraham Lord. That verse, I've never heard that verse more in my life than I have now. And that's any, for everything. It's like anything that could be questioned, like you did that, Sarah called Abraham Lord, like, what are you doing? You know, like, that's like always the thing. And they just take it and they abuse it. Like, it does not matter the context. It's just like, you're not in line. You're not well, calling him Lord. Them, like, is that what they call their husbands? <laughs> it's the attitude. <laughs> I it's just, not. I can't. Like, but what you said kind of reminded me of something I see a lot. Like this is a requirement for a lot of people who do courting. Is the the um, man that's marrying the girl has to be able to preach a message. And this is kind of like, I feel like, it kind of proves your point at the man is supposed to basically be God. And because the girls are incapable of growing unless their husband's John MacArthur, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. which is insane to me because a lot of men are not gifted teachers whatsoever. S- would, you wouldn't find me dead. <laughs> like, and it says so in the Bible. Not many have that gift. You should be preachers, y'all. Few. Yes. But meanwhile, everyone's like, so when you preach in a message, like, <laughs> he doesn't have yeah. a message. Well, that makes me think of one of the things I was hearing from Vody Bakal about his book, right? right? He has what he lays out as the four Ps. You have prophet, priest, provider, and protector. Have nothing wrong with the last two. Yeah. But the first two <laughs> throw me off majorly. Because one, he uses the prophet and priest to kind of simulate as like, the, the dad or the husband is the one who represents his family before Christ, which is not true. There's nowhere in scripture that says that. We're all our own individuals with our own relationships with the Lord. And you are going to represent yourself before right. the You're not going to stand before God with your family. Yeah, Nikki, <laughs> Nikki's not going to be there at the throne of <laughs> in heaven talking about, yeah, she was a great wife. This ain't Mormonism, guys. <laughs> this is your own relationship with the Lord. So when we start talking about the husband has to be a priest and has to be able to pre- bring the word and do all these things, it's like, that's not You just need to be able to understand it and talk with you. No, I, I personally <laughs> think that it's not... 
it should be heavily encouraged for the husband to have, and this is for every believer, but for the husband to have a very good understanding and knowledge of scripture. Right. So that way he can effectively lead his wife in a biblical way. That doesn't mean that he has to be able to preach some three point three C's message from the master's seminary in order to be a good husband to you. He's got to know his Greek. <laughs> yeah, he's got to know Hebrew. He's got to be able to read Latin. Like, yeah. guys, we don't see this stuff here. So we have to be very careful because in both in both arguments, whether it's dating or courtship, it's the battle of extremes, right? right. You have dating where there's sometimes seemingly no standards and then you have in courtship where there's seemingly a million standards. Right. So we just have to be very careful, guys, on what we choose to involve ourselves in and not to be legalistic because everything is situational. You never know people's backgrounds, stories, situations that they're in, what they're coming out of, what they're going into, and where the Lord has each person in their life. So we just have to be very careful with that. Right. Yeah. There's so much that could be (laughs) said. (laughs) Yeah, there there's a lot that could be said. And we may have to do a part two on this um, because I don't know if I should bring this up now, but I think I will. (laughs) (laughs) I think I will. One of the other really interesting and very negative thing, again, towards women is going to be the way that women are somewhat shamed if they have had any sin issues in their life prior to marriage. And I was kind of listening to some of Mm -hmm. these different podcasts that were talking about purity culture Mm -hmm. and talking about how like a woman's value is based in her purity. Yeah, she's, um, as I believe Debbie Pearl said, she's like a used piece of gum. Right. So there's this (laughs) weird, really terrible, terrible, sinful view on someone that has maybe had sex before marriage maybe they weren't a believer or like have a past of some kind there's this terrible terrible view and they're almost like less than human if they have been involved in any kind of sexual immorality or any kind of sexual sin right before marriage and that right there is so damaging because not only for the women obviously because it affects pretty much how they live the rest of their life but if you're a man going into life with that view of women like well have you had sex before marriage and you're kind of playing judge and juror you're god you're like oh really (laughs) oh so you're not worth it then i can do better than you because you yeah kissed someone before like and it's like guys guys first of all show me where in scripture it shows that a woman's value is based in her purity Show me where that is. Because last I would, time I checked, we're all supposed to be here. <laughs> yeah, because like, is the man any shamed? Is if he? Because let's be honest, most men and Christian men struggle with porn. It's a so. very real thing. It's a very very real thing. And is that something that we're shaming men for? And saying that some people, are. <laughs> I mean, some people are. Some people are definitely one hundred percent. But I definitely don't see the same kind of stigma where it's like they're right. less than valuable if they partake right. in it. Well, even back in the day, like I was watching Downton Abbey, which is like a period piece, and like yeah. even within the show, the girl has sex, right? And the guy had sex with her, but the dude who finds out, he's like, "Well, of course that's acceptable for a guy. He's a man, but her, like, how dare she? Like, it's, it's back. It's been there forever since it's back been in the there day. For, for forever. Yeah, <laughs> and I." There are some parts of me that know kind of where it comes from just on 
culture and just the way men and women are wired. Right. But still, guys, we have to bring it back to scripture. It doesn't matter what the culture does. We have to go with what scripture says. Right. And nowhere in scripture does it say anyone is less valuable due to a sin they've committed if they are a believer. Right. Their sin is washed away and redeemed by Christ. At the and cross. that's another thing. I just feel like as Christians, we don't believe that. <laughs> like we say it, but do we really believe it? Because people who have passed are always like, oh, like. Yeah. How dare you? <laughs> like, why are we even thinking about it? Yeah. We shouldn't even have to really bring it up. <laughs> oh, 100%. Like, we have to live functionally with not, with that knowledge, not just with like, yeah, I believe Jesus cleansed my sins, but like, how are we effectively right. living that out? Right. You know and that's mean? not to say that you shouldn't tell someone if you had sex with someone before. Yeah. I, think, I think whoever you're marrying deserves to know that, but I don't think that should be a um a deal breaker if they're a believer and they're repentant over something or especially if they weren't a believer when it happened you shouldn't be holding that against them and even if they were a believer when it happened we shouldn't be holding any sin against anybody because does the lord hold your daily sin against you no he doesn't so we just have to have a very forgiving and gracious mindset because if that person repented from that sin and is living a different life we should be encouraging them and plot you know applauding them for being able to make that turn obviously we don't encourage sin but we encourage the behavior of turning from sin so Mm. when we take this very drastic and shameful view of shaming people that have fallen into sexual sin which is probably 99 percent of people Mm -hmm. (laughs) it's like we really have to be realistic We have to be gracious and we have to be forgiving. And that's the scary thing, though, about courting is if the parents are choosing who you get to marry and that person has made that mistake, I can guarantee you they're going to be very, they're not going to necessarily be the option that the parents are looking for for their kid because, you know, they're already (laughs) damaged goods, as people like to say. So I think that's also another dangerous thing is when you have people making those decisions for you. Oh, yeah. They're also judging for you and, you know, (laughs) (laughs) acting, you know, that's not biblical. So right, it's just crazy. No, there's a lot more that could be said on that. And I think that warrants a part two. So we're going to cap part one off right here, guys. Make sure you guys stay tuned for part two. It's going to be dropping next week. Hope you all enjoyed this little discussion in part one here. We would love to get your feedback. So don't forget to jump in the comments, message us. We want to hear what you guys have to say about this issue. So um, like I said, this is part one. Stay tuned for part two and we will see you all on the next one.